Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, I'm standing up here without a pulpit. Usually I have that big coal wood pulpit. And it has meaning as well as whether I have a table or whether I have a music stand. But those music stands are so wobbly, I don't know if I'll be able to stand with it and it come down with me. So we have a table up here. And I'm going to pull up a, a stool. And those of you that are watching that know me well enough, this is a, I never do this. I teach a lot of seminars and I teach a lot of workshops really all over the world. And I'll use a stool, but when I preach, I like the other. But why am I doing this differently? A little bit because of that song on oceans, because I want you to be able to grasp while I'm here today the experience of the Lord really in your life, way beyond Stan and Carol or anyone else for that matter. I want you to really have that faith stretched. So today I'm going to do something that most pastors don't do, they, they, an opportunity to give kind of a blessing on the people. And if you want to know, that is very biblical. In fact, those of you that have been in Scripture a long time, you'll notice that way back in the Old Testament, it basically started right out. Even Abraham giving a blessing, and then you had the patriarchs giving a blessing. And if you want to, you could even go to, I guess, Moses, and I put that in your worship folder, putting a blessing but a reminder, a last word on Joshua. And then Joshua picked up those last words that they were spoken to him again from the Lord. And then you go through the rest of the Old Testament and you're going to find those guys giving their last word, like David giving his last word to Solomon, basically saying, I'm going the way of all the world. That's what David was saying. What does that mean? I'm getting ready to die. Everybody dies. I'm going the way of all the world. Then he says, show yourself a man. And then if you continue to go through, you'll find it all the way in the life of the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote the majority of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then he gave his last words in a letter he wrote to a pastor his son in the faith named Timothy. That would be Second Timothy, and you could read that. The difference between all those illustrations I've just given to you and today is really twofold. Number one, they were all underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Today, I hope that they're led by and prompted by the Holy Spirit. But secondly, all of those guys, when they gave those words, they died. And I'm not dying yet, okay? So <laughs> once you know, I'm very much alive. And those of you that were here last night, I leaned over to Carol with all the kind words that were read, said, sung, and demonstrated to Carol and me. I said, you know, most people have those words said to them at their memorial service. I get to be able to hear this before I die, you know? And that was a very nice thing that you said, and I received that. I received all the love and all the work that went into what you did last night. I really think that uh, we were just nothing more than a catalytic agent to bring you together, to work together, to do something fun with each other, and then have the guests come and see how a real church loves on one another in the spirit of Christ. So in a sense, it was still all about the Lord and all about you. So the message that I want to leave with you is not, you better get with the program kind of message. It's more like when Carol and I are getting ready to leave, I know there's going to be a pain how do I know? Because while we're leaving you, in a sense, you're leaving us. There'll be this puka in our heart, this hold in our heart. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to let you know that even though the Lord is moving us, he has left you with five blessings. And so just like all of these people in Scripture that put a blessing, a last word, we might call it a benediction, on the people that would follow them, I would like to give my five. Now, I'm not going to elevate mine higher than what these men did, but at the same time, I believe with all my heart 
these five blessings are biblical and worthy for you and me to consider in your life. And I hope they'll be a blessing to you as well. I've listed for you on your uh, worship outline there, your outline, a passage of scripture of Moses speaking to Joshua. The real heartbeat of all of that is simply being stated that even though Moses is going to be gone, Joshua be strong because the Lord is with you. And then later on it says again, be strong because the Lord is with you. And then the writer of Hebrews, which many people think uh, perhaps Paul wrote that as well, he's reminding those that are reading the book of Hebrews in the New Testament that don't be afraid. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you so you can boldly say the Lord is your helper and you won't fear what man will do to you. So while the Lord might shake up the apple cart with leaders and people that we've grown to love and he moves them around, he wants me to remind you that he will never leave you ever. And so perhaps our leaving is painful to you. But I want you to know that that pain is easily, um, I guess, minimized when you remember that the Lord's not going to leave you, that this is all part of God's economy. And so I want to leave you with five truths and then I want to say thank you in a very special way to all of you on behalf of Carol and me. So if you want to, you can follow along. I'm going to tell you um, these five points. I'm going to give you a verse or two to substantiate it so that you know this isn't just me coming up with something cutesy. But I'm going to tell you some stories so that you can see some real life flesh and blood and maybe even smell the breath of these people to let you know how these truths will really impact your life and I hope make you and Carol and me even better because of it. So if you will, take out your notes. You might want to jot some thoughts down and I'll give you a lot more than what the outline has in front of you, but maybe that'll be something for you. First of all, what has God left for you? He's left you a purpose to, and watch this, to go on and also a purpose to go on. You notice how the emphasis can actually change the meaning of those three words? A purpose to go on. In other words, keep going. And also a purpose to Go on to stand on a truth, a principle, a foundation. And so what has he given you? And I've listed four of those, and sometimes they're wrapped up similarly under what we might call the three greats of the Lord. One is the great conf confession. The second would be the great commandments, and there's two of those. And the last one would be the great commission. But I wanted to reword them because many of you have already heard those before to make them more applicable to you and me. So what is this purpose to go on? or this purpose to go on. And there's four of them. The first one would be to love the Lord correctly. In this particular passage, the Lord is now giving a little pop quiz to the guys that are following him. And he's saying, who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? In other words, do you really know who I am? And at the end, he kind of goes to Peter and he looks at him and he says, who do you now, Peter, say that I am? Well, all the other guys are giving pretty good answers, but they weren't correct. Peter, in scripture, gave the correct answer. And here's what he said. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, here's his response, You're right. Blessed are you, he's basically saying there, Simon, because flesh and blood didn't give this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, how do I apply that to you and me? You have a real purpose to go on because not only is the Lord never going to leave you, but the correct Lord is. So my, correct, my question to you is this. What Lord are you really worshiping? What Lord are you really following? What Lord are you really listening to? 
I remember many, many years ago when I traveled with a group called Promise Keepers, a massive men's ministry, and we'd be in these stadiums, and usually the first night speaker would begin the evening by looking at 55,000 men filled with testosterone in these stadiums and say, on the count of three, tell me what church you represent. One, two, three. And then you would hear almost 55,000 churches represented, and you couldn't understand any of them other than just a lot of blah, 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 blah. And then the speaker would say, and louder. And then it would go much louder. And I'm sure the neighbors all heard. Blah, 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 blah. And we're wondering, what in the world is going on? And then he said this. He said, all right, on the count of three, who is our Lord and Savior? One, two, three. And then all say, Jesus, louder, Jesus. And everybody in unison, one big 55,000 member megaphone to the community was Jesus. Now, I don't want to minimize the joy of hearing Jesus' name shouted by men, rough and tough, hard-to-diaper guys. But my question was, knowing so many religions and the popularity of coming together as men to talk about God and being men of integrity, I wonder how many of them, though, were yelling out the true Jesus of the Bible or a manufactured Jesus by a lot of other writings and the Bible. I wonder how many of them knew him correctly. Well, I want to let you know that you have a purpose to go on, and that is to love the Lord correctly. How do you do that? Jesus says, my Father revealed that to you. Now, how is the Father going to reveal to you who the correct Jesus is? It's not going to come through some voice or maybe even some inner voice, as sometimes those things can happen. He will reveal the correctness of Jesus to you through a voice that is already recorded, which would be the Bible. So as long as you study the Bible correctly, as long as you are hearing sound Bible teaching from the pulpit or the connection groups or other sources, you'll be hearing the correct Jesus. And I have the greatest confidence that Jesus will be communicated correctly here. Now how do you know that I have that confidence? Those of you who said so many nice things about me, I hope that you would know that behind all of that would be integrity. There'd be no way I would ever leave you in an environment where I did not still believe that the Word of God was communicated correctly and that you then would falter in loving Jesus Christ correctly. I have that confidence here. But that's not the only purpose to go on. You'll notice as it goes a little bit further, it talks about loving something else. It talks about loving Jesus Christ completely. Do you know that there are people that are so doctrinally sound, they can fight the good fight on theology and academics and orthodoxy, but their lives never show the tenderness of mercy, of grace, of passion, compassion, and love. Do you know why? Because they have fallen in love with doctrine and correctness and rightness rather than the author of doctrine, correctness, and rightness which would be Jesus Christ. Notice how it says a little bit further now in what is known as the great commandments. It says this, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Well, I don't have time to talk about what's the first, what's the greatest, what's the foremost. And I wish I had time to divide up between soul and mind and all that heart thing. Let me just say it this way. Soul, mind, heart are different. 
They're like first base, second base, third base. First is different than third base in a baseball diamond, but they're all part of the same diamond. What I do want to emphasize is this. Jesus says that you're to love him with all your mind, soul, heart. All your. And that's why I say we need to love him completely. Now, as I was meditating on that passage, I got thinking, can I love him with all of my heart, soul, and mind being a depraved, sinful individual that's still wrapped in flesh? I could only come to this conclusion. Based on a lot of, a lot of other scriptures and theology, God would never ask us to do something that he would not give us the ability to do. So whatever it is, Stan does not have the ability to love God, but Jesus does to the Father. And as I yield to Jesus, the Son who's in me, by my choice, then through Christ, I can love the Father with all of my heart, soul, mind. And so I would ask you that question. While you want to be correct in your object of who you're going to love, Jesus Christ and him alone, will you also then love him completely with all of your heart, soul, and mind? So think about that. Do you remember one of our axioms here? That our intimacy with the Lord fuels our outreach for the Lord? And those two things go together. Well, what's another purpose to go on or a purpose to go on? And that would be that we would love ourselves also correctly. Now that's kind of weird. How do you love yourself correctly? Here's a term that's used. It's called antithesis. That's hard to say sometimes. Antithesis. Well, anti means opposite or against. And thesis means basically principle or truth. So an antithesis is two truths that seem to be opposite from one another. And so this is a little bit of an antithesis. I am to look at myself as a sinner desperate for God in my life, wrapped in flesh, who will continue to miss the mark of God's perfection from day to day. I also am to look at myself as being in Christ, accepted in the beloved one, that when Christ sees me, he sees himself because I am now in Christ by faith alone. So now I look at myself and I need to love myself the way God loves me correctly, but not to worship myself. So maybe another way to say it in contemporary language is, We're not to be selfish, but to be selfless. And you put those two together, we might have a balance. So how do you begin to love yourself correctly? Get back into the Word. And remember my last real theology sermon that I gave? It was how to look at yourself through the eyes of God. You take that sermon and this truth, you put it together, and your antithesis is solved. And the last to go on is to love others compassionately. Now we can talk about the word compassion in Latin. Com means with. Passion means to suffer. That's why they call it the passion of the Christ. That's that week of suffering of Christ. So passion means to suffer. So if I suffer with you, that means I feel for you. I feel your pain. I put myself in your shoes. That's the suffering part. I'm with you with that. But now if I'm to really have compassion for someone else. How does that kind of show? What would that look like? Uh, Let me see if I can help you. It would be where you come alongside another human being and as much as you want to relieve whatever social injustice or suffering they might be going through and that we ought to try to help them with, we never lose sight that the ultimate, the ultimate, the supreme best we can do for that person is to help him have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying right here. If I truly have compassion on people, 
It will show up in my eternality of my thoughts regarding that person for all eternity. So the compassion means I suffer with them. I feel their pain of loss of social help, loss of financial help, loss of physical help, the feeling of enemies coming against them. I get all of that. But while I try to help them, all I'm doing is trying to move their mind to realize how lost they are and how much God loves them. And by having that relationship with the Lord, it puts them now on an eternal road towards heaven with him right now. And so let me make it very simple, make it clear. Putting all those commandments together, if I confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and he is my savior by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, then I would really, if I really did trust him, then I would really love him with all of my heart, soul, and mind because I would realize that whatever I have has come from whatever he sacrificed for me to have that. So now I love him. Now watch. If I really love him, then I will love those whom he loves, which would be others who are lost just like I was. So if I really love him, I'm going to really love them. And if I really love them, then I would want them to know Christ correctly. And compassionately. Completely. And so I would present to them. The clear and present message. Of the gospel. Let me share. A testimony. Do you know how hard it is. For me to give the gospel. Sometimes it's hard for me. In a public arena like this. Is because so many of you have heard the gospel. And I'm so afraid that a moment I start saying. Let me tell you how to have eternal life. Or have a relationship. Many just okay that means it's a. It's the end of a sermon now. We know we're watching the credits at the end of the movie here. All right, let's see if there's a blooper in here somewhere, you know. And I'm looking at my watch. Finally, he's there. And I, I, I fight against that thought that I've got that coming back. Do I know anybody who does that? Nah. It's just Satan making me think this stupid stuff. That's hard for me to do that. And then I start thinking about the lost person who stumbled into our church. I don't mean like a person that's inebriated stumbled in, but someone who kind of is new and scared and worried about being made public. And, you know, just, just, just leave me alone. I just want to experience this quietly. I, I'm that way. When I visit a new church and I'm not speaking and Carol and I, we'll go to a church on our vacation. I like to uh, sit and have nobody embarrass me. If you come up to me, just shake my hand and leave me alone. I, I don't know, I'm just weird that way. I know, you think I'm Mr. Outgoing. I am in a microphone and spotlights, but privately, I'm very private. So I know how you are. But I also know, this may be the only time that you're going to hear the word of God and the gospel, the plan of salvation, correctly, clearly, and compassionately. So I'll give the gospel. This morning, I was paid a tremendous compliment one that fuels me to keep going. You were here. I was up here. This man fought his way through the crowd. He's very shy. And he shook my hand and he says, I, I was here last night, but I didn't get a chance to tell you. But I want to tell you one thing. Thank you for always giving the gospel. That helped me when my mom died a few months ago. All right, so I want to encourage you. Contact is opportunity. So you have a purpose to go on. Love him correctly. Love him completely. Love yourself correctly too. See whatever you are in Christ. Forgiven and given a do-over. And then also love others compassionately. You feel their pain. So I want to leave you with that one blessing. That one truth. That you do have a purpose to go on. 
but you also have a purpose to go on. Let's look at number two. Number two is no less valuable than the one I just gave you. And I call it a plan to follow carefully. That once I'm gone, I didn't take the plans with me. We have plans to this building. They're in a place called, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? It's called the belly of the belly of the beast. If I mention that to a few of our guys beast. and I said, go get the plans out of the go. belly of the belly of the beast. For this building, to find out the electrical, the plumbing, how it was built, why is it falling apart, whatever it is, all right, they know where to go. Do you know where the belly of the belly of the beast is? Do you even care? Probably not, all right? But the guys, when we have a problem with our facilities here, they want to know where the plans are because it's where the belly of the belly of the beast is. They need those plans. Well, you've been left with some plans. I'm going to give you two plans that you're left with rather than a whole bunch of them. But if you hang on to these two plans, then you've got the best of the schematic for what will help you as a person, a partner, a parent, a provider, as well as corporately together as a church. Number one, you've been given the Word of God. In fact, Scripture says that it's a light and a lamp. One is for right in front of you, and the other is as you keep walking forward so you don't stumble to get to the next objective. So you've been given the Word of God. That is your plan. That is your object book. Now, when I say that, I am not going to spend the rest of this morning hammering you about the Word of God and the plan that you have. You guests that are in, you're going to think, that, oh, he just gave it a lick of a promise and he moved on. It's not important. Spent ten and a half years teaching the Word of God, verse by verse, word by word, to the folks here. They got it. I just want to remind you, that's all. I'm not trying to tell you to do it because you don't. I'm trying to tell you to keep doing it because you know it. Just remember, the Word of God is your plan. The Bible goes above any type of study booklet that you have, any type of commentary you have. The Word of God is always on top. That's your plan. I do want to speak to the second part of the plan that you're left with. You are left with what we might call a spiritual leadership team, a pastoral team that you're left with. Now, why am I saying that? Because if you're going to follow the plan, the Word of God, now God says to His people that through the plan I have given you shepherds to teach you, like to feed you, to lead you, to care for you, to model, manage, and mentor you, I've left you with some shepherds. Going back to what I said in my first blessing, is I would not leave you if I felt like the word of God wasn't taught correctly here and Jesus wasn't worshipped with passion and love. Nor would I leave you if I didn't have confidence in the people who will lead you long after I'm gone. Now let me be very transparent with you. Um, starting with an illustration. <clears throat> you that are older will understand what I mean. Do you know what a flea circus is? How many remember what a flea circus I don't mean the fleas in the back of your dog, but a flea circus. A flea circus is where these guys could actually train fleas to do little things. Back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, you could go to a regular circus, they'd have a tent, and then you could come around this big table and they had all these fleas doing different things in this little box kind of things, and they called that the flea circus. Oh, this is going to be dangerous. How many of you remember, whether or not you went, a flea circus and hearing about a flea circus? Would you raise your hand? Oh, thank you, Lord. All right, I'm not making that up. But the big question is, is how come those fleas 
um, stay in that box. They never jump out and jump on you like when you take your dog to the dog park and your dog gets fleas, you get fleas, everybody in your house gets fleas. How, how does it, it jump but not in this box? Because when they get the flea to start with, they put them in a much smaller container and they put a lid on the container. And those fleas, yep, they do what fleas do. They jump. And they hit that thing, 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 hit that thing. And pretty soon they realize, I ain't going to jump no more. I keep hitting that thing, hitting that thing. So then they take the lid off. And so now the fleas all stay here. So you can start your own flea circus. Aren't you glad you came here today? <laughs> so going back to leadership. Um, there comes a point in the, in the life of a of a ministry, a church, or even a person that subtly that leader can become the lid on a ministry where you guys are wanting to jump, you know, I don't mean crazy jump, but move forward, do some really great things, but, but I could be the lid on that. Some of that's due to age, my eyesight, some of you are aware of that. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.